What's going on, guys? It's Danny from Fantasy Stock Exchange here, bringing you another installment of the Waiver Wire series that I actually bring forth to the Fantasy Stock Exchange channel. So if you're watching this, again, this is going to be the top waivers going into week five of fantasy football. And uh, just recapping week four, man, some great games that happened. I mean, we are able to see Robert Tanyan, as I'll, I'll briefly get into later, 98 yards and three touchdowns, just with Devontae Adams out, that Packers team has been incredible. We also saw my Cowboys get absolutely run over by the Cleveland Browns. I mean, that defense is a fucking mess yet. So some people still want to blame Dak Prescott for some reason. But, yeah, I mean, if you're watching this video, clearly a jam-packed weekend of action in the NFL. And there are really, there's really a good amount of options on the Weeby Wire going into this week. So just definitely pumped to bring that uh, these options forth to you guys. But, uh, yeah. Before I do that, let's hit the intro. Okay, so as I mentioned, I mean, we're going to be getting into the top waiver priority options for this week, if you will. And uh, I'm going to start off with the quarterback position. And the top option at quarterback this week, in my opinion, is going to be Justin Herbert, quarterback from the Los Angeles Chargers, currently at 16% ownership, according to Yahoo. So just glossing over his week four stat line against a tough Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. I mean, 290 passing yards, three touchdowns, one interception. Also contributed on the ground to the tune of five carries for 14 yards. If you're actually totaling that out, that's 23 fantasy points in four, uh, default four-point league. So week five goes up against the Saints, and uh, the Saints have actually been exploited by the quarterback position thus far. I mean, they've, give up, they've given up the seventh most points per game to the position, and I've actually allowed recent performances by Derek Carr, Aaron Rodgers, and Matt Stafford in particular they averaged 22.84 points per game against New Orleans. So although going into the year, people really feared that New Orleans defense in general just has not been playing well thus far. So uh, if you're actually looking at Herbert, I mean, he has looked fantastic since filling in for the injured Tyrod Taylor. I mean, at this point, if Anthony Lynn actually gives Tyrod back his job, he needs to be fired right away because Justin Herbert has stepped in beautifully Played up to par, up to that that sixth overall potential billing that people, uh, the Chargers saw when they took him. And there's just no way that he should be taken out for Tyrod. I mean, he's absolutely rejuvenated that offense. It's looked efficient. Keenan Allen looks fantastic. In general, I mean, Justin Herbert has not looked too small or, or the moment been too big for him. He's performed admirably. So if you're talking about that, at minimum this week, he should be a top 15 option against the Saints, minimum. And if you're actually looking at his schedule going forward, oh, man, it is fantastic. So he's got the Saints this week, who, have, who I have mentioned as not being particularly great against the pass. Next three weeks afterwards, Jets, Dolphins, Jaguars. They've all struggled against the quarterback position thus start to start the year. So talking about fat potential again, in a one-quarterback league, I wouldn't allocate too much of my cap to the quarterback position. But if you are in a quarterback pinch, this is the perfect option to end up saving you because that that stretch, that schedule is going to be fantastic. I, I wouldn't even be opposed to spending about 5% of my fab on Justin Herbert if I am in desperate need of a quarterback. So definitely like the, like the potential that Herbert has shown thus far. Kind of similar to what we saw from guys like Josh Allen uh, in the past where, I mean, they can do a little bit with their legs, big arm. They've rejuvenated their offenses. I mean, Justin Herbert has looked really good thus far, so. 
going into the second option, obviously not as exciting as a Justin Herbert because, I mean, Justin Herbert is just – he's so exciting to watch right now. But, man, Teddy Bridgewater, quarterback from Carolina Panthers, currently at 19% ownership according to Yahoo. And uh, just glossing over again his week four style line against Arizona, he looks really good. I mean, 276 passing yards, two passing touchdowns with one interception. Also contributed well on the ground with six carries for 32 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown equating to 26.24 fantasy points in default four-point leagues. So, I mean, week five, he gets the glory matchup that you look for for your fantasy football quarterback, and that's going to be against the Atlanta Falcons. So, I mean, the, the Falcons have been the single worst team defensively in terms of giving up points to the quarterback position. They've allowed a staggering 33.78 points per game in matchup against Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, and Aaron Rodgers. And if you actually take... Take into account that matchup against the Bears where two separate quarterbacks played, Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles. If you actually combine their stat line, because, I mean, that's what you do through a game, they had 28.84 fantasy points combined. So, I mean, the Falcons are an absolute mess, an absolute turnstile against any real fantasy football quarterback. So, I mean, Bridgewater is in quite literally the greatest matchup you could hope for as a quarterback. To me, the Falcons... (laughs) He, he's going to be a top 15 option at minimum, maybe even a top 12 type option, given how porous the Falcons have looked thus far on defense. So, I mean, the expectations are sky high. He really showed last week against an Arizona team that was projected to actually beat the Panthers that uh, he he can definitely be legit in favorable matchup. So I definitely uh, would stream him with confidence. And I, I, to be honest, as I mentioned, I expect quarterback one type numbers this week against that Falcons defense. So, Talking about foul potential, I mean, 3 to 5% would be uh, a nice uh, area for me. Again, uh, matchup is as juicy as it can be, and Bridgewater has really picked up his level of play. So in the short term, start, start him in. You need quarterback in a pinch. Bridgewater is definitely going to be able to perform for you this week, in my opinion. So honorable mentions that I'll kind of briefly go over. I mean, those are the top two being Herbert and uh, Bridgewater. The honorable mentions I kind of want to talk about are Gardner Minshew, quarterback from Jacksonville Jaguars, at 46%, barely meeting the threshold. He's going on the road against Houston. Again, Gardner Minshew should just be owned by now, to be quite honest. I mean, the fact that he's owned in under 50% of leagues is pretty weird, but he's proven time and time again he's at least a top 15 quarterback. Kirk Cousins going going up against Seattle and Atlanta the next two weeks is definitely something to monitor. I mean, two of the easiest passing defense to go up against. I I believe right now they're both 32nd, and I think the Seahawks are 33rd. The 32nd, 31st, regardless, they're, they're, they're bad. So uh, Kirk Cousins is definitely another cheap option that you can get and plug into your lineup with confidence as well. So a lot of good quarterback options this week. A lot of good quarterback options this week. Um, we haven't really seen this type of abundance yet, but legitimately all four of those quarterbacks have very favorable matchups this week. So plug them in with confidence. But let's get into the next position. And this is the fantasy football, as I'll always mention, the fantasy football meat and potatoes of your roster. And that is going to be the running backs. Who are the top waiver wire running backs? These are the guys that end up winning you leagues based on their overall volume that they get in terms of getting them for free off the waiver wire. So talking about the number one option, the number one waiver priority at the running back position, the guy that you want to pick up in particular uh, over anybody else, Justin Jackson running back from the LA Chargers, currently at 5% ownership. So, I mean, his stat line, not great against Tampa. Maybe you can get him cheaper because of it, but six carries, nine yards, two targets for two receptions and 12 receiving yards. So 21 total yards and uh, eight total touches. So 
If you're actually looking at the matchup this week against the Saints, the Saints have been mostly pretty average on defense, as I mentioned. They're bad against the pass. They haven't really been doing well against the run. They've allowed decent performances from both Aaron Jones and DeAndre Swift in recent weeks as well. So, I mean, it's not a matchup that you're going to look at and say, oh, my God, like I cannot play this player against the Saints. But they have not been that defense to earn that, that type of respect thus far. So, if you're looking at Justin Jackson, the reason why he is number one, and he is here in particular for a reason, is the injury to Austin Eckler. And you guys know on the channel how much we love, love Austin Eckler. But, man, it's painful. He's out six weeks. He's out six weeks. It, it hurts. I mean, I'm heartbroken. I, that's the one guy in the league that you just don't want to see anything bad happen to. He's such a great guy. But in terms of fantasy football uh, implications, this is huge. For Justin Jackson's value. So, I mean, it vacates an absolutely ridiculously huge role for the Chargers. And uh, the, the receiving and efficient volume duties will go to Justin Jackson, while Josh Kelly kind of retains that grinder in between the tackles role, as we've seen thus far. Kind of like, as we saw last year, Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler. Well, now with us, Austin Eckler out and Melvin Gordon obviously gone, we can see Josh Kelly operate the Melvin Gordon role, and we can see Justin Jackson ultimately operate I'm not going to say the whole Austin Eckler role because he is a fantastic player, but he can operate that type of role in terms of efficiency, in terms of receiving type of uh, prowess. So if you're looking at uh, Kelly, while the touch baseline for Kelly will ultimately be higher, uh, he I do think that Kelly is going to be a better option head-to-head against Jackson because, again, he's going to get more touches. He didn't meet this designation of under 50%. That's why he's not on this list. But if you're talking about Jackson, I mean, he has the opportunity, all the opportunity in the world to dominate his role and definitely has flex RB3 type appeal immediately, given the fact that Eckler is going to be missing such significant time. So, I mean, due to his role and long-term stability of the situation, I mean, Jackson, to me, is the clear RB1 on this week's waiver wire. And uh, especially, especially in any type of PPR format, because Josh Kelly is not going to be the uh, efficient receiving third down type back. I do think Jackson could be that because he's kind of similarly uh, built to a guy like Austin Eckler. Obviously not as good because Austin Eckler's gone. But uh, <laughs> if you're talking about fab percentage, I would say 40% might be able to get it done again. As we go week to week, fab does get increasingly exponentially less uh, valuable because, again, there's going to be less wires. You're going to need to make moves, and people are going to have less available to them. So if you're talking about it, I mean, 40% should definitely get it done for a guy like that. I wouldn't mind bidding more. Um, if, if I'm an absolute pinch and I need a running back right away. But, I mean, the way I view Jackson, I mean, he has a clear role. And each and every week until Eckler's back, he should at least be in the RB3 consideration. So, I definitely like Justin Jackson, especially if you're getting him in any type of PPR format, half PPR, full PPR, whatever it is. But uh, fire up the Justin Jackson. The second option on the waiver wire that I am absolutely loving absolutely stoked for if you guys have watched the channel you know we are absolutely high on this guy and that's going to be chase edmonds running back from the arizona Cardinals. so looking over his week four against carolina nothing crazy that you're going to say oh my god you're going to knock your socks off i mean four carries 16 yards he did have six targets five receptions for 24 receiving yards and a receiving touchdown though so kind of balanced out there week five against the jets i mean the jets as a team are just a whole mess and they, they've looked decent at times against the run and pinches, but the wheels are falling off recently. I mean, Raheem Moser, Jeremy McKinnon, and Melvin Gordon have all absolutely uh, absolutely shredded that defense. So if you're talking about Chase Edmonds, I mean, he's a player who, again, you're, not, you're most likely not going to just thrust him into your lineup right away uh, in the short term. 
But I mean, the long-term potential of this scoop is huge. I mean, we've mentioned all offseason, myself and Bush, that we that we didn't really see a huge talent disparity between Kenyon Drake and Chase Edmonds. I mean, we've seen Kenyon Drake come out before and flash in pinches. But realistically, I mean, Chase Edmonds did the same thing last year. So people that were hyping up Kenyon Drake, you can't say shouldn't have been hyping up Chase Edmonds as well because they basically look like similar players last year. I understand the opportunity last year, but you look at it, Chase, uh, Kenyon Drake ended up struggling now. You know who hasn't struggled? Chase Edmonds hasn't struggled. If Kenyon Drake keeps playing as bad as he did, especially in a smash, smash matchup according to ECR, oh, he was the ECR RB6 last week. Smash matchup against the Panthers. 13 carries for 35 yards. No receptions. You know who was getting the receptions? You know who was getting the work? Chase Edmonds. So, I mean, if you're talking about it from a schematic, from a uh, team standpoint in terms of success, why not put in the the running back that have se- that has actually seen more success thus far this year? So, I mean, he's looked like the much better player. And if Kenyon Drake keeps playing like this and Chase Edmonds keeps looking efficient and good, there's no way that Kingsbury and the Cardinals cannot bench Drake at this point, especially with him dealing with injury for, for the record now. I don't expect him to be picking it up anytime soon. So, if you're talking about Fab again, I had Jackson at about 40% because of his long-term potential uh, or short-term potential, sorry. If you're talking about uh, Chase Edmonds, I would say about 25%, give or take, because I think you can get him this cheap. Uh, Again, he's not going to have great short-term potential when Drake still has that job. But man, if Drake goes down or Drake relinquishes the duties or Drake's dealing with an injury right now, he doesn't look good, whatever. Chase Edmonds has the absolute potential to take over this job and yield league-winning type upside if he does so. So I love I love Chase Edmonds, and he's my clear RB2 on the week personally. So go pick him up again, 25% fab on uh, Chase Edmonds. RB3 on the week for me. Dearness Johnson running back from the Cleveland Browns. Currently at 3% ownership according to Yahoo Fantasy League. So again, looking at his stat line, we know who he played by now. He played my Dallas Cowboys. At the Dallas Cowboys, he had 13 rushing attempts for 95 rushing yards. That's very very efficient day where the Browns ran for over 300 rushing yards against my pathetic defense. But let me not go on a rant right now. You guys can hear enough of that on the live streams. Um, Talking about it though, week five, he does play the Indianapolis Colts again. Colts have been extremely stingy against the run thus far. I mean, they've only allowed the fourth fewest points to the position. And uh, it's definitely not a start uh, or a spot that I would absolutely just thrust Johnson into right away. But if I'm in a pinch, I have no better options. I don't mind flexing him given the expected usage, expected volume we should see. Uh, in an, an offense that was basically operating with Kareem Hunt and obviously Nick Chubb being out. So, um, if you're looking at the situation, why Johnson is actually appealing is uh, he was given the potential opportunity for usage in a Kevin Stefanski rushing attack that has dominated thus far this season. I mean, 53.3% run split thus far. He's in the league's best rushing offense thus far, playing behind an offensive line that is absolutely moving people. And Nick Chubb is expected to be out four to six weeks. We saw that, yes, Kareem Hunt is going to be an RB1. We know this by now. There's so much volume behind him, especially with that league-high run split that has to be allocated somewhere else with Nick Chubb missing time. Who's poised to take that work? It's going to be Dearness Johnson because he did. He showed it. He looked good. He played well against the Dallas Cowboys. And, if again, if Nick Chubb is missing that much time, there's no reason for him to not be a weekly RB3 flex appeal type guy. I know, they say that. I, know I say that a lot about a lot of people, but if you're looking at the situation of Dearness Johnson, it's a totally applicable. So. Talking about five potential, again, I would say about 15, 
maybe max 20% if you're maybe a Nick Chubb owner. Uh, again, I love his short-term outlook. The problem that I have with rising or raising him more than that 15 to 20% barrier is that he's kind of unproven. Again, he has one real good game in the NFL. Hasn't really shown it before. And uh, what's his role going to be when Chubb's back? It's just going to be the way it was used when Chubb was healthy, where it was Chubb, it was Kareem Hunt, and not much else out of the backfield. So, again, I like him for the short term. He is a smash play, in my opinion, given that expected volume with Chubb out. But the reason why I wouldn't go ahead of, like, Chase Edmonds or Justin Jackson would be because, again, we don't necessarily know how he'll be used. The, like we, we could just see Dontrell Hilliard end up getting that role next week or something like that. But... um. And also, when Nick Chubb comes back, he's going to be a redundant. So, um, but I still like him. 15 to 20%, go ham. Um, next option, this is a guy that should be owned, but I kind of just kind of refresh people because he's currently at under four, uh, 50% ownership according to Yahoo. That's going to be Philip Lindsay running back from Denver Broncos at 48% ownership. So, this is more of just kind of a reminder that he needs to be rostered. Yes, he was dealing with that. I believe it was a, a turf toe injury. It was a foot injury um, that sidelined him the last few weeks, but He's set to come back, and he should be owned in the majority of leagues. 50% ownership is just crazy to think about, in my opinion. And uh, he should be able to garner significant work operating uh, with Melvin Gordon in that backfield. So if he's on your wire, again, he's on the majority of wires, go scoop him and, what, 10, 15, 15, 20% type should be able to get it done. I'd probably say around 15% is kind of the bread and butter type spot for him. But I definitely like Philip Lindsay and make sure he's just not chilling on your wire because your league mates dropped him after week one and totally forgot about him. But uh, the honorable mentions I'll kind of talk about, uh, I, again, I mentioned it for the quarterbacks as well. Honorable mentions here are going to be Damon Harris running back from the New England Patriots, currently at 31% ownership. Uh, does play the Denver Broncos. I wouldn't really go much more than six to 8%. If we're talking about kind of like a fool's gold for this week, I do think it would be a guy like Damian Harris simply because he still plays for the New England Patriots, who was one of my no, uh, top waiver wires last week, ended up being Rex Burkett. The problem with the New England situation is the volatility week to week with how the running backs are used. Yes, Damian Harris had 17 carries, 100 rushing yards uh, in a game that, frankly, they, they have to rely on him, like to put it simply. Yes, Cam Newton is scheduled to be out. We know this. We don't know, necessarily know the timeline with COVID. So I do think Tame and Harris is going to get usage. But the problem with betting more than that 6 to 8% is, again, what about Rex Burkhead? What about James White? What about Sony Michelle when he comes back? In, real, in reality, trying to predict these, this Patriots backfield is just so much of a headache that ultimately I wouldn't even want to deal with it unless I'm getting Damon Harris, Damon Harris for super, super cheap. So, um, yeah, that, that, that's definitely a guy I have in the honorable mentions. But your league mates are probably going to be more than him because they're going to see, oh, 17 carries, 100 yards. He's the workhorse for the Pats. Boom, 30%. Don't do that. Okay? Wide receivers. And this is actually the top overall pickup on this week, in my opinion, in terms of overall fat percentage I, I would allocate to them. And that's T. Higgins, wide receiver from the Cincinnati Bengals at 5% ownership. Weren't listening to my video last week, I guess, if they're at 5%. But uh, just a little joke. Uh, looking at his week four stat line against the Jacksonville, ja- Sorry. Jacksonville Jaguars, four receptions on seven targets for 77 receiving yards and one carry for 13 yards. So. Going into week five, he does play on the road against the Baltimore Ravens. And I was actually surprised when I actually did my research on this, but Ravens have been an average team thus far against the wide receiver position. And although they employ two of the top corners in the league, the, uh, in Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters, 
They've actually allowed the likes of guys like Terry McLaurin, Brandon Cooks, and Tyree Kill in recent weeks to have really solid receiving output days. So, again, I'm not really excited uh, or excited to start Higgins against the Ravens, given the reputation and likelihood that they'll figure things out on the back end. But I mean, I would not hesitate again to throw Higgins in a bench or uh, in a flex spot. Sorry. So, if you're actually looking at the overall situation, why I love Higgins on the waiver wire this week. First of all, he's looked very good. Looked very good against the Jaguars, ranked second on the team in targets in the game behind Tyler Boyd. I mean, with the way he has played, he's clearly usurping the aging A.J. Green for the team's second highest or second target on a high-volume passing offense. A.J. Green has looked awful. T. Higgins has looked fantastic. They used a second-round pick on him for a reason. If A.J. Green is going to contribute to struggle – Higgins is going to be the number one outside receiver with Tyler Boyd operating the slot. It's just how it's going to be. I mean, and with Joe Burrow throwing him the ball at the rate that the Bengals are currently passing right now, I mean, the sky is the moon. or The sky is the limit, sorry. Not the moon. You know what I mean. The, the sky is the limit for a guy like T. Higgins. So, I mean, to me, he should, like, similar to kind of what, what we had with Jefferson last week, he should be no, uh, viewed no worse than an upside wide receiver four. But to be honest, high-end wide receiver three type potential given his play and given the usage that he's seen. So, I mean, go spend the farm on him. I mean, when I'm talking about spending the farm, I'm talking about 50-plus percent of your fab. Yes, it's a lot. But at this current point with the devaluation of the fab as we go week to week, get a guy who can contribute to your team. T. Higgins can lock and load into your wide receiver four flex spot on a weekly basis and someone that you don't have to worry about. So, I mean, if you're talking about fab, again, 50 plus percent, I would say 50 to 55 percent should be able to get it done. I love T. Higgins. Second wide receiver on the wire. We're going to be talking about Scotty Miller, wide receiver from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, currently at 16% ownership according to Yahoo Fantasy Leagues. And uh, just looking at his week four stat line in particular against the Chargers. Five receptions on seven targets for 83 receiving yards and one receiving touchdown. So looking at the matchup against the Bears, I mean, the Bears have been very stingy against the wide receiver position. There's no denying that. I mean, they've led up the fourth fewest points to the position thus far. But... If Chris Godwin is out and Mike Evans is still banged up right now, I mean, Scotty Miller is entering that must-start wide receiver three-type territory, given the usage that we've seen with him from Brady with Godwin out. So if you're actually looking at it, I mean, Scotty Miller has absolutely, absolutely stepped up uh, with Chris Godwin missing time. I mean, he's recorded 70-plus receiving yards in three of the four games thus far with only one down game in week two. I mean, Brady has clearly relied upon him. And given the usage that we've kind of seen, again, with Godwin banged up, that should not change whatsoever with that star receiver out. So, I mean, Scotty Miller needs to be rostered in all leagues and viewed as a potential upside flex play in each week, given how consistently he's actually performing. So, the fact he's only only in the 16% of leagues, I mean, what are we doing here? But he's played up to par. Go get him. He's not a sleeper at this point. Everybody knows who he is. If you're talking about foul potential, because everybody knows who he is, he's been playing well. I would not be I would not be opposed to spending about 30% on him because we've seen that, especially with Godwin out, he has looked fantastic. And at this point, you're looking for easy wins. Scotty Miller is going to be able to get you some while Godwin is out. So finally, I'm going to be talking about my last receiver in the overall waiver wire. So I'm going to talk about the honorable ventures as well. But my last official wide receiver I'm going to be talking about is going to be LaVishka Chenault, wide receiver from the Jacksonville Jaguars, currently at 24% ownership in Yahoo. So week four against the Cincinnati Bengals, five receptions on six targets for 86 receiving yards and outside of carry for five yards. I mean, you're looking at this matchup against uh, Houston in week five. 
They've actually been league average against the wide receiver position. I mean, that's definitely an improvement for what uh, myself and Bush actually assumed from that defense because we thought they were going to be like league league worst in the league against the pass. They've actually kind of been really bad against the run. But um, yeah, I mean, they've they've been average against uh, the pass. And uh, while going into the season, I would have said, oh, this is a must start for anybody that's going against the Houston defense. It's still definitely not something that I'm going to be avoiding for Elizabeth Chanel. I mean, he's still a flex option at minimum for this week because Houston looking fantastic is them being an average-ranked defense thus far. So um, I'm not truly scared about this matchup for Chenault's sake. So I would would definitely feel comfortable putting him in my flex spot if that's what you guys are wondering as well. Overall, though, LaVisca Chenault has been an absolutely, absolutely excitingly fun watch thus far four weeks into the NFL, in his NFL career, actually, not even just the NFL season. I mean, he's being used creatively by the team, and he's actually looked really crisp while doing so. So if you're actually looking at it, Sunday was his coming out party in terms of the receiving aspect of his game. Kind of saw his his carry output, the way he was used, kind of like Debo Samuel type role. But man, in terms of a pure receiver game, this is his first game in his career with north of 80 receiving yards. And, I mean, he's looked absolutely poised and comfortable in his wide receiver two role that he's operating behind DJ Chark. And, I mean, moving forward, I mean, he should be able to provide, at minimum, weekly, uh, week-to-week wide receiver three, four type value. So, talking about five potential, again, 25%. He's looked very good to start the season and, is, in my opinion, is a great long-term depth wide receiver four with wide receiver three type upside. So, Looking at, looking at the audible mentions, I mean, you have to talk about a guy like Olamid Zacchaeus. If Julio Jones is missing time, we saw how efficient, how good he looked on Monday Night Football against uh, the Green Bay Packers. He's only owned in 2% of the leagues and goes against that Carolina Panthers defense in uh, week five. So go scoop up Zacchaeus. Also talking about Corey Davis, the wide receiver from Tennessee, 36% ownership. He's coming off by, but... Yes, the, uh, the matchup against Buffalo is not really great, but we've seen thus far that Corey Davis has been an integral part of that Titans passing game. So you can get it for the cheap. I definitely wouldn't be opposed to that. And finally, we're talking about Brandon Ayuk, wide receiver from the San Francisco 49ers. So, man, he looked really good. And again, as we kind of mentioned, Debo Samuel has looked more like a, a, a polished wide receiver one for the team. Uh, in terms of where the role he's going to be operating again, we've only seen it for one game, but that's how they've been talking it up throughout the offseason. And if that's the case, I mean, if Brandon Ayuk's going to be used in the Debo Samuel role from last year, there's definitely going to be a lot of touches available in both the receiving and rushing type game for a guy like uh, Brandon Ayuk to ultimately be used as more of a weapon rather than a pure uh, typical receiver. So I definitely like Ayuk as well, currently at 26% ownership. Man, though, we're going into the next position. We're going to be talking about tight ends. And there is one holy name that you have to pick up. I know he has a buy this week, but man, Robert Tanyan, tight end from the Green Bay Packers at 29% ownership. Just looking over his week four game against the Atlanta Falcons, six receptions on six targets for 98 receiving yards and three touchdowns. Yes, you can't expect that at any given week. You can't expect that, especially when Devontae Adams is back. But man, he has looked great and he has been used, not even just this game. But the two weeks before, over 10 points in PPR league. So, I mean, Robert Tanyan looks like the real deal. Looks like a locked and loaded tight end one thus far. So, again, as I mentioned, week five, bye week, you, you might be able to get him cheaper because people are, are, uh, less, are less patient. They're impatient to be waiting for a guy like Tanya to get off by. But, man, Tanya was, an absolute, was absolutely unguardable in, in uh, that game against the Falcons last night. And uh, they needed a number one uh, receiving threat with Devontae Adams last, out last night. 
Robert Tanyan delivered. I mean, you watch that game, all you, you tune in, all anybody was saying was, oh, baby Kittle, oh, baby Kittle. Well, I mean, he's billed as baby Kittle, and the Packers tight end looked the part. I mean, he's shown serious tight end one potential thus far this season. I mean, to me, at minimum, he's a locked and loaded top 15, maybe even top 12 type option for the foreseeable future with immense potential given the current involvement that he's seen uh, in an offense that really needs weapons outside of uh, Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams. So talking about foul potential, man, 35%. I, I would feel comfortable bidding on him. I mean, he's looked every bit like the tight end one thus far. And although he's kind of on that bye week, which might be able to actually knock his price down, as I mentioned, I mean, this guy needs to be rostered in basically every one of your leagues. He has looked great, and he should continue playing up to par given uh, his term, his usage in that offense. So, Honorable mentions. We're going to talk about Eric Ebron, tight end from the Pittsburgh Steelers. 27% ownership currently going up against the Philadelphia Eagles this week. And Jordan Aikens, tight end from the Houston Texans at 13% ownership, who's going to be going up against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Again, they've been using their offense as well. Uh, I definitely want to see. I'm definitely excited, especially for Ebron going up against the Philly defense. Got shredded, shredded by George Kittle. So fire those guys up as your audible mention if you miss out on a guy like Robert Tanyan. So. Talking about top defensive streamers for this week. Again, mention all the positions thus far. Quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end. We're going to be getting into defenses. But if you have made it this far in the video and you're enjoying the content, you like what you see, you like the overall Dan Man himself and Bush, but uh, and Mikey, but uh, <laughs> make sure you go leave a like down below. Comment what your thoughts are on the top waiver wire priorities, guys that you think are going to pan out, guys that you think are going to bust. Make sure you leave that in the comment section. And if you're new to the channel, never seen us before, hit that red subscribe button. I mean, it definitely helps us grow to the the place that we want to be and helping you guys or helping as many people win their fantasy football championships and just become better fantasy football players in general, better educated fantasy football players. So hit that subscribe button, hit that notice. And um, yeah, we're coming at you with daily fantasy football content in three streams a week. So who would want to miss out on that? So buckle in, get ready, because we're coming at you all NFL season. But talking about it, defenses. The top, the top waiver option is going to be the Cardinals playing at the Jets. I mean, 50% ownership, so they barely make this threshold. But, man, like, this is like the, the, the match if you look for. Oh, whoever plays the Jets? Okay, start their defense. Because in reality, especially with Darnold slated to miss that game, that is going to be a bloodbath. Make sure you get the Cardinals in your lineup. Their defense is going to smoke, smoke the Jets. So, second defense we're going to be talking about, I mean, everybody already knew about the Cardinals going up against the Jets, but the second defense we're going to be talking about is going to be actually the Cleveland Browns defense going up against the Colts at home. Only 12% ownership. Again, I would much prefer the Cardinals defense, but let's be honest, people are going to be bidding up the storm for them. Browns defense should be mighty fine in this game. Again, Phillip Rivers is a turnover machine. Colts offense has kind of looked lethargic thus far. And I mean, the Browns... The Browns are humming. If the, if the Browns are able to, 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 to set up a good plan in terms of the, run, uh, the running game, and, I mean, you still got guys like Miles Garrett, uh, Denzel Ward making plays on that defense, I definitely think they could be a sneaky start against a Colts team who's kind of, as I mentioned, kind of look lethargic offensively. So um, definitely pick up the Browns as well. But aside from that, again, mentioning all my top waiver wire pickups, and I mentioned how you can leave in your comments, who are your top pickups? What are your thoughts on, like, if they're going to bust, if they're going to perform? I mean, a couple of weeks ago, who, who really could have expected Mike Davis would be an RB1 for the next two weeks? I mean, that's just something you can't really predict. But, if you, again, 
Appreciate you guys making it this far. Love you guys. I'll tune in with you guys again next Tuesday. I'm really bad at intros, as you guys know. But I'm going to head out. Peace out, y'all.